Live from the Widecast Studios in downtown Peoria, it's another edition of Scott Wheeler's Airplay. This is episode number 35, airing right now on Peoria Life's Facebook page, Facebook Live, also on YouTube. Then a little later today, you can catch it on Peoria TV Channel 17, the i3 broadband system, and uh, all over social media, I will share it as well. I'm Scott Wheeler from Super Hits WIRL. Airplay all about going behind the scenes and getting to know some of the folks you watch on television or listen to on the radio and, and find out a little more about their lives off the camera, off the mic. Now, I'm pretty excited about today's guest because most people I have a, a prior background with or a relationship, and I know a little bit about them. But today's guest, I'm getting to know for the first time, and uh, you're going to join us in getting to know her, too. It's Lauren Melendez from News 25, my guest today on Airplay. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. I am so excited to get to know you because I've admired your work Thank for you. a couple of years now and I'm like, I got to get her on Airplay. <laughs> I want to see what, what makes this girl tick. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So I know you're from Philly. I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I got to ask you, and I know you're uh, going through all sorts of diet stuff right now, so I don't want to tempt you. <laughs> right, but right. What does make the perfect Philly cheesesteak? Okay. Well, if you ask like my family, it's uh -huh. cheese whiz, peppers and onions, obviously the steak. I'm not a big fan of the whiz. I can I, was I can say that you got me right there. I'm, I like, don't, eh. I'm not. Some people do like provolone. Yeah. But let me tell you, there is no other Philly cheesesteak other than Philly. So if you go to New York and you uh -huh. get a Philly cheesesteak, you will be disappointed. Yeah. It's kind of like don't trying do to do Chicago pizza. Exactly. I, you guys have, you know, <laughs> Illinois has pizza. We yeah. have cheesesteaks. Uh -huh. so, yeah. so if I go to Philly, and I love Philadelphia mm -hmm. because of the music scene. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Where do I go for the best Philly cheesesteak? Uh, there's a few. You can go to Jim's or Ishka Bibbles. Always go to South Street. Okay. Um, they'll tell you Pat's or Gino's. That's like the touristy spot. You uh, don't want to. I mean, they're not bad. See, this is why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> a, a native. We will take you to like a little hole in the wall where somebody's grandfather yeah, is back there, like you that's know. What I but, want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ishka Bibbles. Ishka Bibbles. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So, how long did you live in Philadelphia? I grew up there. Okay. So, from a little girl until college age, I uh, left for school and. Yeah, it's my hometown, yeah. West Philly. So when did you first get the itch to be a journalist? Oh, okay. So probably around 12 or 13. Really? I okay. think initially I wanted to be a model, and then I knew I, I liked eating too much and I was too short. So that, <laughs> Philly that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't realistic. Um, and I was always in everyone's business. Like my parents, you know, I'm parents because this is grown folks' business. Or, you know, I was always interrupting and asking questions. At one point I had a little pad that I would just write down what people said. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, as I got older, I sort of realized that there's a way I can make money off that. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, storytelling and just having that cu natural curiosity, I found that journalism was sort of the perfect marriage of all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, I've found there's a lot of people who like to write, mm -hmm. and I think writing is kind of the basis for all communication, but right. they don't necessarily make good journalists. What is it the curiosity factor that yeah. in addition to the writing ability that really makes a good journalist? It's the curiosity, but you also have to be a people person. There okay. are people who are fantastic writers and just want to sit down and do that. You have to be, you know, you know I, have to, I have to go and stick a mic in someone's face on yeah. their worst day. You have to be comfortable with people. You're like a glorified like solicitor or, you know, like a salesman because you, you got to try to, you know, get people to want to talk to you yeah. on their schedules. They're busy. You have to be comfortable with people telling you no and flipping you off. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, being curious, 
you know, being willing to do research, people think you jump on TV and you just look pretty. There's a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of writing. It's like college times 2000. So if, you know, it's like, like I said, that's the perfect marriage of, you know, curiosity, you know, having a background and, you know, loving to read and new information. You just have to be sort of into all of it. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of college, you went to Syracuse. I did, right? Orangeman. I almost went to Syracuse. Did you? I looked at three schools, okay. Michigan State, mm -hmm. Syracuse, and visited them all, and Bradley, okay. and I almost went to Syracuse. Why did you? You know, it just seemed far, well, I'll tell you the real reason, because I thought I could get a job here yeah. in Peoria. Um, but what an outstanding program, as I remember it. Now, that was a long time ago, but obviously mm -hmm. uh, you chose it for certain reasons. Right. What? What, what attracted you to? So ironically, I went there for undergrad and grad. Uh, so I have my master's and my bachelor's from Syracuse. And I went, the, undergrad was last minute. I made the decision, I think, before like a week before classes started. And I just showed wow. up. It was, it was interesting. My father and I, my parents, we were just shopping. Who's going to give us the most money? Uh, and we just said, okay, Syracuse it is. Uh, and then I graduated with three degrees. I'm a little bit of a nerd. And I realized I don't have the technical training because I didn't actually go to Newhouse. I was in a communications program, but mm. not broadcast. Mm. And so I spent another <laughs> several thousand dollars to go <laughs> to grad school there. Uh, and I did the Newhouse broadcast mm. uh, digital journalism program, which is fantastic. They accept like 20 kids a year. Wow. Um, and so that worked out really well. So it seems kind of obvious, but what what is digital journalism and why is that so critical now? Why did you yeah. add that to your study? It's not that obvious. I think we think so. Uh -huh. Digital is the new media now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're live on, on, on YouTube. Everyone is alive on Facebook. Um, I call us a popcorn microwavable society. We like to get our information like that. Yes, and so if as, as media outlets and, and platforms, if we're not sort of keeping up with the times, we're gonna lose our audience mm -hmm. and nowadays, People are multitasking, they're cooking, bouncing their kid, watching the news, driving to work. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that digital platform is sort of, uh, it sort of bridges the gap between mm -hmm. people who traditionally like to sit down over dinner or maybe, you know, watch a 30 minute newscast. People who have that sort of time versus people who still want to know what's happening, but maybe like to, you know, do it electronically, go mm -hmm. online, read a couple headlines and be on their way. Yeah. yeah. And so you have to be technically trained to do that as well. So you're actually the, I, I know a lot of folks in, in radio and television and newspaper have kind of morphed into having to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're the first person I've met that actually is degreed <laughs> in it and has a yeah. specialty in it. So I, I want to tap into how it is different than traditional reporting. What, okay. are the, what are the challenges? What are the differences on, on your end of mm -hmm. things? I understand the the end user. It's right, different from right. the person who wants to sit down and the person who's really busy. But how is it different for you? Um, you know, it's a lot more stressful because you know you don't just come to work and prepare to put together a story that airs at five and six. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the digital platform is I've got to put a tweet up that teases to it coming mm -hmm. up at six, and then maybe I've got to you know in the middle of shooting a story, I've got to grab my phone and do a quick Facebook blurb. It's also you have to synthesize information a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. So I may be covering like city council, and there's some huge vote that people don't really know about. It's it's so you know layered. I've got to break that down in like 30 seconds, just tell you what it's about, why you should care, how it'll affect you, 
and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that, people think, oh, they can just go on Facebook. Anyone can be a journalist. That takes skill. Mm -hmm. To be able to know what you're talking about, to understand who your audience is, to be able to speak in a way that engages them in 30 seconds and makes them want to come back in four hours and watch the live broadcast mm -hmm. on air. Yeah. And understanding the platform. And understand, exactly. They all, you know, Facebook, Twitter, they all have their unique algorithms. Exactly, and exactly. And working through those and with those and when's the best time to post. Right, and, exactly. And Prime time. On, you know, people aren't up at 6 a.m. Well, some are, you know, yeah. so sometimes I'll, I'll type up a web story, but I won't schedule it to post on our Facebook page mm -hmm. until the next morning because I know that's when parents are up. Mm -hmm. And it's about, you know, a school bus issue or, or something that has to do with the school board. You know, I'm not going to post a top story that I've been working on all day at like 11.45 p.m. Mm -hmm. No one's going to see it. So we're always thinking about viewership. We're always thinking about, you know, who's going to care about this? What, what, what part of our target audience does this impact? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after Syracuse, where was your first job? So I actually stayed at Syracuse and sort of while I was looking for a job, I worked in the Office of Disability Studies. I was one of the directors. So it was mm -hmm. unique. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, one of those, you know, in-between jobs and I found a passion. Um, and so that was interesting. It took me quite a while because I, I took some time off. Mm -hmm. After grad school, I said, you know, to hell with this. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired, you know? I mean, my my master's program was pretty accelerated. I got my master's degree in 13 months. And oh, it was night. fantastic. But when I tell you, learning from scratch, you know, it was it was draining. Uh -huh. And so I decided, I just want to chill. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, I just want to relax. <laughs> but uh, that was my first job. And then after that, it was here. Peoria is my first uh, on-air paid position. Mm -hmm. I was uh, for our capstone, just like our final project. I actually reported on Capitol Hill. So I was hanging oh, out with the big dogs, talking experience. to. Yeah, yeah, so we were, we were um, positioned or uh um, paired with different stations across the country. Mm -hmm. I was with one in Sioux City, Iowa, KCAU. And so I'd have to go and talk to state representatives, congressmen from Iowa, mm -hmm. put together stories that impacted people in Iowa, but that were happening at, at you know, on Capitol Hill. What, what about Capitol Hill was the biggest surprise uh, that we just don't see? Is it the hmm. pace? Is it the, is it the, old boy network what what is it <laughs> um I, I you know what i think is that there's a bill for everything and so you think that this like oh my god this is groundbreaking but it i mean there's always something being worked on mm -hmm. and so having to um literally read maybe 30 pages of like a bill just to be able to explain to people okay how does this pets for vets bill mm -hmm. impact you know veterans mm -hmm. in your area was unique also um Capitol Hill is just, I mean, the buildings, you know, the, the house, I mean, it's just you're underground and you're just like walking past these people. And they don't, like, your journalists live there. They have yeah. a whole section, you know, parts of the building for us. And so uh -huh. I think I was a little starstruck. I was uh -huh. like, oh, my God, that's a congressman. That's, that's <laughs> you know, I'm like, that, that's Steve King. Like, oh, wow. You know, and I have to do an interview and they're just like, hi, you know, what, what time are you ready? Yeah, so yeah. I think it's just, it, that that's their day job. It's mm. business as usual for them. They're, mm. they're just policymakers. Mm. So then to Peoria, mm -hmm. and uh, what, did you feel like you were coming to a foreign land? Yes, I thought, so I hadn't heard of Peoria, and I thought that there were going to be like tumbleweeds, and yeah, I was so nervous. I was, I'm a city girl, so I will admit I was a little um, nervous, uh, and then I actually met Greg Batten and, sure. and Yvonne, and they're like my adopted parents. Nice, and so I good went choice. On, yeah, they're great, great people, um, and so they were like, no, we've got indoor plumbing, and we've got all 
all sorts of things here for you. We've got a mall, a Chipotle. No, when I got here, it was it was really incredible. It was nothing like I expected, but better. You mm-hmm. know, I felt right in, and I will say, Peoria embraced me right away. It could have been tragically different, <laughs> and so I'm very grateful that you all have you know welcomed me, trusted me to tell your stories. But no, it's it's been fine. Mm. Yeah. And Chicago's up the road, yeah, so when I get that itch right. to like be in a bunch of traffic and you know cars honking, I can just go to Chicago. Were you hired specifically because of your digital expertise, and or um, it just was a bonus? No, I mean I like to think that that was part of it. I was originally hired as an MMJ, which mm-hmm. is like the new title now. Before it was reporter, you had a photog. Now MMJ is a multimedia journalist. You are doing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I you drive the car. You get out with the gear. I think sometimes I show up and people are like waiting for the rest of my crew. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, sorry to disappoint, it's just me. <laughs> um, you know, I've got the camera light and the microphone. I'm hooking things up. And we do, we do have photographers, mm-hmm. uh, but they're they're sort of journalists too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I certainly think that I was an attractive candidate because I brought a little bit of a unique expertise to the field. But I just like to think I was qualified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're getting to know Lauren Melendez from News 25, I think one of the uh, rising stars in uh, local television here. And so I wanted to get to know her before she ends up uh, anchoring in <laughs> Philadelphia or something. So um, I feel like, uh, and maybe it's just unique to the time, but okay. I feel like at News 25 especially, and I would say uh, other sources as well, there is an especially strong uh, crew of female journalists mm-hmm. yeah and it seems like there are more now and it, again i may be wrong here more female reporters journalists mmjs right, than male right. i mean i think at your place you've got uh caitlin and um mm-hmm. yourself and uh, stephanie, stephanie and we have another uh, caitlin yeah yeah um it just seems like a really strong crew am i picking up on something no or is you, that oh, you are okay. no, no, i definitely I love it because just as strong as our male reporters are mm-hmm. and as dedicated, we have a fantastic pod of, of female journalists there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, aside from just female, we're diverse in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of education, experience in the business, background, where mm-hmm. we're from across the country. Mm-hmm. So I brag, you know, and I tell people where I work because we, we're like a rainbow. We've got almost every <laughs> shade, background, socioeconomic, mm-hmm. and it makes for better journalism. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that. You know, mm-hmm. we'll be at the table debating. I'll go, no, this is important to black people. Mm-hmm. Somebody will say this is important to Latinos or, you know, this is important to whomever. And it's, mm-hmm. it's always healthy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can get that when everyone looks the same, mm-hmm. you know, or is the same gender or race, et cetera. Yeah. Have you been doing this not long enough to note just a general shift in, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's no secret that uh, media outlets have been white male mm-hmm. um, driven right. and that diversity is starting to happen. Did you come into it or have you noticed a change even in your young career? Well, it's definitely shifted since I've been in, in journalism. I Professionally, I've only been in you know, been a reporter anchor for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. I've seen shifts, but you know, I, I, like a lot of young journalists actually watch news. You know, I think sometimes Mm -hmm. people just want to be on TV. And so, you know, doing my professional studies and, you know, learning from other journalists and watching, you know, the 60 minutes Mm -hmm. and the different people growing up. um, Yeah. A lot of them are white, Mm -hmm. but they're still good. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I don't think that that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate nowadays that news directors and managers uh, recognize the value of, you know, just 
taking that shift elsewhere mm-hmm. because like I said, there's there's a, a beauty and a diversity in culture and background. Mm-hmm. Certainly since I've been at 25 News, there's been, I mean, we've hired more black anchors. We've hired younger reporters. Mm-hmm. We've hired our sports anchor on 25 is Asian and uh, Mexican. That's crazy. I mean, he's like <laughs> the best of both worlds. So it's really neat. Um, so certainly since I've been there, but overall when I turn on the TV or I'm on Instagram and I'm mm-hmm. seeing like who's who and who's mm-hmm. just gotten hired, I'm like, wow, like mm. she looks like me, mm. you know, so that that's that's heartwarming. So far, what's been the most impactful story you've covered? Uh, impactful to you or that you think just made a difference that you will always remember? Oh, cool. uh, probably the death of Jeremiah Ward. Mm. That was the four year old boy who was killed. I want to say in April um, and police, the city doesn't we don't have a, a suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like two days after it happened, I talked, mm. I was able to talk to his mom, her boyfriend and her, her, uh, the child's father all together, which, uh, you know, unfortunately you don't see a lot of mm. times in, in many families, but I will be honest in African-American households where parents who aren't together are still always cordial. And mm. so, and to also have her current boyfriend, they were very um, kind and obviously very traumatized in that moment and trusted me um, to literally sit down and ask them, what is going on? Like, where do we go from here? Someone just killed your child. And we have, this is a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. We can't tolerate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I left that interview and went home. I bawled my eyes out. It was just one of those things. I think people think we're these robots with mm-hmm. the microphones. And I couldn't, I just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's fine. Because if you're not moved by a four-year-old being shot to death, right. then I'm not sure what, what makes a difference. But mm-hmm. that will always, always be not only a defining moment, but just... A moment for mm-hmm. me that that that's something that not only did I have an opportunity to shed light on but that I just had to encounter you know because if it affected me I can't imagine what those that family is going mm-hmm. through yeah what do we do about is anything shining through to you and your cover you mentioned you're you're doing a similar story right now that you're preparing this is kind of off the topic of you right but is something just glaring that that we can do for the the violent situation in our city. And the thing is, it's not just our city. Right. But it, it feels more frequent for some reason. Well, yeah, feels and is, unfortunately. Uh, at this rate, you know, I'm, I think crime is sort of my beat. I had, tend to do those stories often. Um, we are well on our way to probably having one of the most violent years in Peoria. We are in uh, November. I think we had like 22 or 23 homicides Mm -hmm. last year. I think Mm -hmm. we're at like 21 right now, if I'm wrong. Uh, And so we've got to, you know, and it always happens around holidays. I think that our Peoria Police Department does a fantastic job of canvassing and community uh, police relations and trying to improve that historically. No one department, I think, can take that challenge on its own. It just has to happen over time. Mm I wish there was more of a way that we could reach communities who are afraid to come forward with information because I think that makes all the difference. Somebody knows who killed Jeremiah Ward. Someone knows who shot the last person in Peoria who passed away. Um, I think, unfortunately, this code of loyalty and silence is stronger than the code of just justice. And if people knew, if they could, if they believed 
okay, I'm going to give this tip and nobody's going to be able to point it back to me and I won't, there won't be any retaliation. I firmly believe we would have a trillion more uh, homicides, murders, open cases solved because people will be giving in for Somebody sees these things, you know, it doesn't just happen out of thin air. Half the shootings I cover in Peoria happen in broad daylight, Yes. you know, so I think... Um, I know we have a lot of, I know we have some things in, in place. We got Crime Stoppers. There's a DJ's law um, that helps protect people who come forward. Mm -hmm. I just wish that maybe we could convince people that they work, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. All right. On a lighter note. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> craziest, now, I, I was going to ask you about the craziest thing that's happened to you on the air. I know one because you keep posting it <laughs> on your Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, maybe you've got one that even mm -hmm. tops that. But first of all, the one, the one where <laughs> I'm running out of Jesse's yeah, life. Yeah, I could play that over and over and over again because oh, you had to be wearing heels. It was crazy. <laughs> I had on heels. You heard me rushing up against the mic. So what happened is jet. We have a stinger. So you know when we go into weather, it's like dun, 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 yeah. like it's about like seven seconds. And you're supposed to get. And out I'm supposed of the to shot. even if it means I have to duck down. Yeah. I'm supposed to get out of the shot. I think we played the wrong stinger, and it was like three seconds. And so Jesse's on camera, and I literally bolted, <laughs> but I look like this giant bug just trying to get it. it. Was it's? I feel like showing people those things lets them know like we're human. Absolutely. Like TV's not perfect. It was it was a fun moment. And you yeah. make Chuck Collins blooper <laughs> tape. I mean, you were you yeah. know the, wherever you may go, that will live on. Yeah. That so will... that makes me think: Have you ever literally had to duck down and crawl out of a shot? Once. I did because I, I one at one one time my heel was coming off and I was just like this is not going to end well so I just ducked down and then once they take the graphics full uh -huh. you know you don't see us on camera so uh -huh. I just kind of go back there is so, I always want to tell people there is so much that happens behind the scenes in a newscast just the other day I was going live and they didn't have my feed up so I'm in the field I've got to turn on this backpack that feeds my signal mm -hmm. they are in my intro about to toss to me and the producer has to make a decision okay, we don't have her. This is a minute 30 of our 30-minute newscast. Uh -huh. So the anchors have to read my script. And right. then like literally in the, tr like when they were going, Lauren Melendez is live, I popped up on screen. <laughs> and I'm panicking. So like what you don't see, like I'm like all composed and on air. I'm sweating. I'm like hurrying up with the, the wires. It is bananas. Then that doesn't happen often, but it's never just like, okay, write the script, get the show produced, sit down, deliver the news, leave. Mm -hmm. It's not like that at all. <laughs> no, it isn't. Not in no, any of this. No, no, no. <laughs> so what's your dream job? What do you want to do after uh, we say goodbye to you at some point? <laughs> wow. I would love to eat pizza for a living and never gain a pound. I'll be your co-anchor. Like right. If I could be like, what is it, Guy Fieri? Yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. goodness. His, we always have him playing in the newsroom, and I'm like, man, what I wouldn't give to do that. Um, I love journalism, so mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a while before I bow out of this this field. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love to eventually end up home. That's mm -hmm. that's, that's the city that raised me mm -hmm. um, just by luck. You know, I, mm -hmm. I grew up in Market 4, so mm -hmm. it's a huge television market, yeah. and there's so much to do. Philly is like a melting pot. Yeah. So to be able to come back home and bring all the skills that I've learned throughout the years would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I think if I were to be off camera, I'd probably like to do something philanthropic. I love animals. If anyone knows me, like the cats. always posting I about my cats. cats. So you know, I am a cat mom through and through. I own it. I will be like one of those women who has a billion bags and newspapers 
and cats when I'm like 45. Not We're not waiting until we're 70. That is going to be my future. Um, I really would love to do something that allows people to like capture and rescue or mm-hmm. find homes for animals. I know that sounds cheesy, but if no. that were, you know, if I could do that and mm-hmm. I could just retire and just do something that I did, was just equally as passionate about, it'd be that. Well, we're out of time, but okay. so <laughs> I am so glad we had the chance to get Thank to know you. each this other, and we just let some other people watch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. This you is awesome. You bet, Lauren Melendez from News Twenty Five. You can uh, catch her all the time on uh, Channel Twenty Five, doing great work and great stories. This has been Airplay. Remember, you can catch us on uh, Peoria Life's web portal anytime, and their Facebook page, also their YouTube channel, and uh, Peoria TV, which is Channel Seventeen on the i3 broadband system. I'm Scott Wheeler from Super Hits WIRL, and we'll catch you next time on Airplay. PeoriaLife.com. This is fun. This is awesome.